we will be talking about Zacchaeus. How many of you grew up in the church, like age five on? Let's just see your hands. Raise them up high. Let's see. So a lot of us. So if you grew up in the church, there is a high probability, high probability that you did Zacchaeus in children's church. You probably did Zacchaeus artwork and your parents lovingly put it up on the fridge even though we couldn't tell what it was, we just did it anyway. Oh, that's beautiful. Whatever that is, it's great. And the thing about children's church, just the, the story, like we never do David chopping off Goliath's head. We never do that in children's church as our artwork. Take this home. Look, mom, it's amazing. Yeah. We do this for sure. And yes, it is a great children's story, but it's a great adult story as well. It's a great story for all of us. In fact, everything in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation matters. Amen? We live in an age where the word is easily being discarded. And what's being embraced is what fits my lifestyle and what makes me comfortable. Guys, do not discard the word. Do not put it aside. Do not let the world convince you that something written thousands of years ago does not apply today because it does. It's living and active. Amen? And we just need to trust all scripture. What does all mean? What does all mean? I knew it. This is a bright group. All means all. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man slash woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Guys, God has a good work for each one of us. Again, we're it. We live in a world that needs Jesus, and he's calling us to go out. He didn't call us to go in. He called us to go out, and so this matters. If you have your Bible, raise it up. Just raise it up. Everybody get it up high. We did not make the first service do this. They looked tired. They looked a little out of it. They were out of sorts. Some of them were in their pajamas. Who's putting their Bibles down? I didn't put them up. Simon says, Bible's up. Simon says, Bible, you're thinking I should have brought the light Bible today, and that's okay. All right, so this might seem childish, and it is, but let's do it anyway. So on the count of three, we're going to yell word. Can we do that? Okay, three of you are like, we can do that. Three of you are like, okay, I'm leaving. No, you're not. On the count of three, we're going to yell word. Are you ready? One, two, three. Word. Let's get him back up. No, seriously, I don't, I don't want to be negative, but that was pitiful. So let's, on three, let's yell word. On the count of three, one, two, three. Word. Very good. Guys, this matters, the word. We need this every day. It's living and active. Psalm 119, verse 11 strikes me every time it comes to mind, harder I read it. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I hate my sinful life, and yet I find myself back in it time and time again. And it is always when I've been outside of the word. This matters. It's God's love letter to us. And what we're reading in Zacchaeus, in Luke 19 about Zacchaeus today, it matters. It's a place in Jesus' life where he's on his way to Jerusalem, his final week. It's his last stop before he gets here where he'll go to the cross. And we find Jesus doing what he always does. 
looking for those who are lost. Because here's what matters. Where will you spend eternity? It matters enough to the creator of the universe that it matters that he sent his son to die on the cross for us so that we could spend eternity with him. Our sin has separated that. Our decisions to live for self have separated that, but God made a bridge for it. He said, I don't want to be separated from you. I want to be with you for eternity. And so Zacchaeus, in this story, we're seeing our Lord do what he always does, thinking of others and bringing salvation to hearts. Verse 1, it says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, whenever we hear the name Jericho, this doesn't really, it's in, it's, it's in this story, so we'll touch on it. We immediately think of Joshua chapter 6. And we know the story of of. Josh and, and, and the Israelites and the battle of Jericho. And what happened? The walls fell down. So how is it that Jesus is coming to Jericho all these years later? Now, some of you in here, you, you watch this. You put your kids in front of this. How many of you were veggie tailors? Any veggie tailors here? Oh, wow. So throw your hands up. Don't be ashamed. Get it up there. Once they got cartoonish, it's like, this is ridiculous. But the early days, Josh and the Big Wall, phenomenal. And no better, it's my favorite. I love the French peas. Oh, I love that. I love the French peas. It's not in the Bible I've looked, but it's incredible. <laughs> but Jericho, an incredible Bible. The Lord told Joshua, I've given it into your hands. March around it once for six days. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times. Have the priests blow the trumpets. Have all the people shout and the walls will fall flat. And that's exactly what happened. Victory. So how do we have Jericho here? In Joshua 6, 26, Joshua told the people that whoever rebuilds the city walls will pay with their firstborn son. And with the loss of his youngest son, he will set up the gates. And that's exactly what happened 600 years after the walls of Jericho fell. And first. Uh, Corinthians 16, verse 34, some 600 years later, it says, In Ahab's time, Heel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram, and he laid its gates with the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. Well, it's back. And in Jesus' day, it was a hot spot for the wealthy a popular getaway. It was a place where many, many people went to live it up. You know, there's just a different vibe in Miami than Harrisonburg, Virginia. It's a lot different than the Shenandoah Valley. Quick tangent. If you're ever coming through the Shenandoah Valley, you find yourself on the 81 coming through, reach out. We'd love to have you. And it's not just lip service. We would love to have you if you ever find your way there. But it's different. You know, we live in a, a farm community. It's beautiful. You got the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, to the east. You have the Allegheny Mountains to the west. You have the Shenandoah River. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal place. We have a Mennonite community, all different kinds, old order, black bumper. I won't go into all the details, but you'll come across many riding with their horse and, and buggy carriages. None of that in Miami. You don't have that here at all. You know, it landed yesterday, and there's lightning everywhere. 
And I, I mean, we were coming in. I'm like, what in the world? People were freaking out on the plane. I'm like, all right, do you know Jesus? Do you know, let's just pray, everybody. I think this is, you know, this is, it puts people in it. It's funny, but it's not. It's like, okay, now's a good time to pray. Let's do this. We landed, we sat on the tarmac for an hour because during a lightning storm at Miami International, all the workers go inside. Did you know that? They will not work during the lightning storm. <laughs> so Zach and Amanda faithfully sat in their car for an hour with their three kids and waited for me and got some good family time. And then uh, came out and they picked me up and they took me to Havana Harry's. <sighs> Who's been to Havana Harry's? Highly recommend it. Didn't understand a word the waiter said the whole time. I just said, I'll take what Georgie's having, please. I'll just take it. Phenomenal. And, you know, I, I couldn't go to sleep last night just because I, I was on coffee. You drink coffee in Miami? I sleep for days. But there's a vibe. They dropped me off at my hotel. I reserved the hotel in advance, and I got it as close to here as possible. And they dropped me off, and I got I'm like, what in the world? So all these neon lights in my hotel. There's a pool table. There was a bar. And I was walking in. I was almost about ready to turn around and say, can you take, and there goes Amanda and Zach. Just drove off and left me there. It's a different vibe in Miami. And what's needed in Miami is Jesus. What was needed in Jericho was Jesus. And that's exactly where he was. Verse two. There was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And we learn in this verse a few things about Zacchaeus. First of all, his name. It means pure, clean, innocent. So for those of you who have children, you know, some of you put a lot of thought in your kids' names. You know, some of you, maybe you didn't, and that's, that's no big deal. You know, and, and the meaning of your name doesn't always have a connotation. But for Zacchaeus, pure, clean, and innocent, Maybe his family, his parents had high hopes for him. And that's all of us as parents, no matter what you named your kids. You know, when they come out, it's like you have a, a hope for them, a plan for them. You know, childbirth is phenomenal. It, it, it's just crazy. You know, I never thought I'd be married. I never thought I would have kids. You know, when I got saved in 1994, I just thought the Lord will never trust me with a woman after who I've been. And I had some people explain to me God's uh, plan for marriage, and it was so beautiful. I loved it. This idea of commitment to one person is so attractive. To somebody who lived a life uncommitted, a liar, a cheater, not very respectful of all for anybody's heart, it was so attractive. I'm like, Lord, if you would just give me that, and the Lord blessed me with an amazing wife. And has blessed me with four amazing kids. And I'll tell you, nothing can prepare you for childbirth. There are things that are just taboo you can't even talk about. I mean, when you're in the room, it's like, oh my gosh. Is it like, and Lamas don't, that, what a waste of time that class is. I mean, once it happened, I started just petting my wife's arm. It's going to be, and she goes, don't touch me. I'm like, okay, I'll be right over here. And this will be good. A childbirth, our first daughter, Hannah, I'll never forget just holding her and just thinking, Lord, this is amazing. I just pray she follows you all the days of our li her life. And sometimes it doesn't happen. I'm blessed. My kids are walking and following the Lord. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And if you're sitting here and you have a child that's wayward, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep giving them to the Lord. 
the Lord will send strangers across their path, friends across their path, radio messages. He's going to just keep praying. For Zacchaeus, things had not gone quite how probably his parents had hoped. He'd become a tax collector. He didn't turn out so pure. He was working for Rome, the enemy of the Jews. The enemy, and he was becoming rich off his own people, his own family, his people that he used to call friends. He had given up on his religion and he wouldn't have any more access to the temple because of the job that he had taken. He was hated and he had become rich. In fact, he was in such a bad profession that his profession is lumped with sinners. <laughs> it would be said of Jesus, he has gone to have dinner with the tax collectors and sinners. Imagine if your job was lumped in there and he's gone to have, he's gone to be with the sinners and the construction workers. He's gone to be with the sinners and the doctors. He's gone to be with the sinners and the school teachers. And this is where his profession was. They were despised. And so don't ever give up on that person that might be in a profession. At Horizon, we've had every walk of life walk through the door over the years. And we've seen God do amazing, amazing work. So Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector, and we're told that he's rich. He made his profession pay, and he'd become rich at the expense of others. Zacchaeus was living for himself. And if you've ever lived for yourself, you know how miserable it really is in the quietness of your heart. There is a big difference between selfish and selfless. And Zacchaeus was right in the crosshairs, right in the, the groove of selfishness. Now, here's what's amazing. A, a chapter earlier, this is what Jesus had to say about the rich. Turn back to Luke chapter 18. Verse 18 of Luke 18, it says, A ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. The creator of the universe, our Lord and Savior, our God, anything is possible. And it's almost like we come across this. It's almost like you just said, okay, I need to just give them another lesson to show them that the very things that they thought were impossible are possible. And there are things in your life right now that you think just are impossible. This relationship, this marriage that's fallen apart, it'll never be healed. The financial burden I'm in, it's never going to get fixed. This addiction I have, it'll never go. Guys, God can do anything. Amen? And he's about to do it in Zacchaeus' life. So we have this rich man. And God is going to give them an example. 
that the things they thought impossible are possible. Verse 3 of 19. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. It's one of the great childhood songs, isn't it? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I mean, you all know the song. Why am I the only one singing it right now? Why am I alone up here? Just, well, when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. Zacchaeus, you come down from there, for I'm coming to your house today. For I'm coming to your house today. I want to thank the three of you that joined me for that. Your reward in heaven, I hope, is great for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. He was trying to see who Jesus was. And unable because of the crowd, he was small in stature, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Zacchaeus' story is about to become a testimony. It's about to pass from wandering, from moments of, wow, that was great, to many years of my life is miserable. Life in the world has those fleeting moments. As somebody who used to do drugs, you, you chase something that you're just never going to find. For somebody who used to steal and lie and cheat, it just never fills you. And let's be clear. I've had a lot of people say, boy, I'm glad you found religion. Guys, religion is of the devil. We're not talking about religion. We are talking about relationship. And I don't know what it's like in Miami, but I live in a community that is steeped in religion. You know, we run into people who have bounced from church to church to church, and it's not about religion. The Pharisees were religious. The Sadducees were religious. They had all the knowledge in the world, but they had no heart relationship. And maybe that's you today, and maybe that's the tree you're in, is in a tree of knowledge. Just sitting there thinking, I know it, but you have no relationship. And Zacchaeus' story is about to pass from a story to a testimony. And everybody that has Jesus, knows Jesus, believes Jesus, has turned from the world, has a great testimony. Amen? My daughter Hannah many years ago said to me, many years ago, Dad, I don't have a great testimony like yours. And man, I, I, was, I got fired up. I said, Hannah, you have a greater testimony in my eyes. Because you've always said yes to Jesus. That is not easy to do. What your dad did is easy to do. By the grace of God, I got saved at 24. And by the grace of God, you got saved as early as you can remember. Again, Matthew 7 Verse 13 and 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Guys, the path to destruction is wide open. And I remember thinking, what a rebel I am out here. And then I got saved and I said, man, it was awfully crowded out there in the world. The path that's narrow that leads to life, not because God has made it hard, but because it's hard for men and women to let go of the world. We want to live selfishly instead of selflessly. And in our mind, we think, if I let go, guys, the greatest thing you will ever do is let go of the world. 
and follow Jesus. You will not regret it ever. There's no greater joy than following after Jesus, than being loved by Jesus. I'm in the same battle that I was the first 24 years of my life. I didn't realize it when I got saved, but the Lord would take me, say, okay, now get back out there. But now in his hands. Your testimony means something. Always has, always will. And I know there's so many people that think, I don't know enough to share my faith. Guys, your testimony is enough. It's enough. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. You cannot give what you don't have. And if you don't have a hope in Jesus Christ, you can't share it. Zacchaeus is up in a tree just trying to get a glimpse. And the greatest hope that there is, the only hope that there is, is about to enter his heart. What about you? There might be some here and it's just the first time. It's like, I've never come out of the tree. I've stayed away as long as I could. You've been coming to church for years. You have religion, you have knowledge. You've even volunteered for VBS and maybe done a few other things, but you've never had relationship. I'm not saying this is who you are, but there's another person I always think of. Its name's Judas. Always walking where Jesus was walking, but just keeping Jesus far enough away that he didn't have to commit. Always just far enough away. What's the hope that's in you? And are you ready to share it? We live in a world that needs Jesus. I think of all the people that knocked on my heart and shared the love of Christ with me. When I was 19, I went to drug rehab. I'd been spun out. Uh, on meth, and I was down in Tijuana, Mexico on a binger. I came home. I found my way to my dad's house. I knocked. My dad's a Marine. You know what you learn about Marines? You don't ever say they were former Marines. <laughs> you get a stern talking. No, no, I am a Marine. Okay, sorry. You're a Marine. I love my dad. love my parents. love my family. My dad drove me to drug rehab, uh, checked me into the McDonald's Center, La Jolla, California, and they pump you full of Valium when you go in, just to not, well, I don't know if they still do that today, but that's what they did there, you know, and so woke up, because everybody that comes in is loaded, and they want you to sleep it off. I woke up, somebody had the faith. This is a public place, public, they put a Bible next to my bed. I was 19 years old, this was 1989, and it's the first time I can ever remember opening a Bible. This was, whoever put it there, this was their ability to share their hope. They weren't ready to sit with me and talk with me, but they put the best thing possible next to me, a Bible. And I think sometimes we think it's engaging in conversations or this. Sometimes it's just praying for somebody. Sometimes it's handing them a Bible. I woke up, I opened that Bible, and, you know, I was a mess. Mentally, I was a mess. And I, and I looked at it, and, and I had a pretty foul mouth. If you're Three-year-old, five-year-old was sitting with you when you were talking with me. They were going to hear everything. But there I was in my room, and I said, all right, I challenge you. I challenge you. I was real twitchy. I said, show me something. I was holding that Bible that somebody put next to my bed, and I opened it up. I'm in drug rehab. The Bible's pretty thick, isn't it? I read two words. It said, be sober. I was like, whoa, my gosh. I was tripping out, and I was sober. <laughs> yeah. 
And I got up and I, was, I, I ran out of my room and I looked and down the hall there was a little nursing station. I ran up and I turned it up and there was this little old lady sitting there with glasses. I'm like, you gotta read that. You have got to read that. Read that, read that, read that, read that. She took her glasses. She goes, be sober. That's good advice. <laughs> I suggest you do that, son. <laughs> like, oh, I will, I will. Unfortunately, I did not. I stayed sober for 93 days, and the next five years of my life were hell. I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, tried to find myself. The only time in my life that a Christian has knocked on my door was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And these two, I mean, pure as the driven snow. You, I, I, when I opened the door, it was like this, just like this guy was sitting, he goes, um, hello? And I'm like, Yeah. He goes, um, we would like to talk to you about Jesus. I'm like, come on in. Hours, they shared the love of Christ with me. And again and again, are we ready to share the hope that's within us? And I think sometimes we just get scared by what we don't know. But here's what you do know, your testimony. Nobody can ever argue your testimony, ever. Zacchaeus' testimony is being written right now. This lonely, despised man who had all the world could give, but he had nothing in his heart to show for it, was trying to get a glimpse of what Jesus had. And maybe this morning, that's where you're at. You came here today, but all you've been doing is getting glimpses of Jesus. You haven't been reading your word. You haven't been praying. You certainly haven't been in worship and in, in spirit and truth because the world has become attached to you. I'll tell you one of the greatest dangers is this right here. Man, this has ruined devotions like nothing else. Coffee doesn't ruin devotions. This ruins devotions. How many times do, do you or people you know, they take this and you just, it's a couple minutes, you just see this. The prince of the air is smiling broadly. Satan could not be any more pleased at how he's got us distracted from the one true living God and the call that he's placed in our life. Zacchaeus, there he was in a tree alone, despised by the people below him and probably unsatisfied with life. With all his riches, everything that he had, he had nothing to give of any substance. And below him was a man that as far as the world was concerned had nothing to give materially, but had everything that Zacchaeus and you and me need. Forgiveness, love, joy, peace. And if you've ever struggled in your heart, you know what it's like to be set free. And sometimes it's just right there. A miracle came into Zacchaeus' life. When, Zacchaeus, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. You ever see a grown man in a tree? It's awkward. <laughs> Especially if it's your dad. But there was Zacchaeus just trying to get a glimpse and he thought he was hidden. You know how awkward that must have been? Say, hey, Zacchaeus. It's like, oh my gosh. Every eye just goes, whoosh. Oh, it's the weird little tax collector up in the tree. <laughs> Told you it was an odd one. So beautiful. 
Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Do you hear Jesus' urge? Hurry. Get here right now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. I'm right here. I came through Jericho today for you. And here's what he couldn't say or didn't say. Hey, I'm on my way to the cross to die for everyone. And on my way, I decided to come by for you. Guys, Jesus always has time for us. Amen? Zacchaeus, come on. Why? Because Jesus has the best for us. Don't delay. The night I'd gotten saved, I knew about Horizon Christian Fellowship San Diego. I can't go into the backstory for time, but I knew about it. I had been there. In 1994, I was a mess. I was a blight. I was gone. Mentally, I was losing it. And I had been invited to go to, to the Indian Reservation in San Diego to gamble. And so I had some time after work. I had been smoking pot. I said, I'm going to go to the church and God will see me and I'll win thousands of dollars at the reservation tonight. I was not an atheist, but my view of God fit my lifestyle. My God allowed me to live and be who I was. And that's no God at all. So I went to the church, hundreds and hundreds of people there. And it was like somebody handed the pastor that night a sheet of paper and said, there's going to be a guy here. It's like God just said, here. His name's Pastor Leo Giovanetti. I've never met him, never shook his hand. I have no clue about his life. I just know his name and I know he was faithful to proclaim the word that night. And everything he spoke was my life. And at the end, he said, if you need Jesus, and he spoke to your heart tonight, you're a sinner in need of a savior, please stand. Hundreds of people. I was pouring sweat. I just, just, I don't know why. I just stood up. And they said, come on forward. And I walked forward. I mean, it was like just God leading me. I got up and there was a bunch of other people up front that got saved as well. This hand fell on me. I turned around. There was a large Samoan man. Just said, there, there. Put his arms around me. Prayed for me. Stayed for about an hour and a half with me. Just heard my story. At the end of the night, you know, I was all tweet. I'm like, can I go, can I spend the night at your house? Can I spend, I can't go home. He said, no, you can't spend the night at my house. You just told me your life and I cannot bring that to my house. I have a wife and kids. He said, and out of respect for them, I can't do it. He goes, but you know Jesus now. Start following him now. Go home. Don't go to the reservation. He goes, if you have any drugs, flush them, get rid of them. He said, and then come back here tomorrow, Monday, and go to this office. That's exactly what I did. I came to Jesus and I went and I came to the church the next day and they said, there's a new believers class. I'm like, well, how long is that? Two hours? I'm like, what am I gonna do the other 166 hours of the week? I said, I got nothing but time. I don't do anything. I just surf and sit at the beach. They said, well, we have a school, but that's for people going into ministry. I said, that's me. They said, when'd you get saved? Last night. When was the last time you did drugs? Yesterday morning. And off I went. And God introduced me to 48 of the most amazing people in that school that shared the love of Christ. And I had what I had never had. I had peace. I had a place to go when I blew it. And this is Zacchaeus. A miracle came into his life. He was ready to receive Jesus gladly. Jesus knew his name and he knows yours and mine as well. 
Zacchaeus hidden in a tree. Jesus knew his name, knew where he was, and knew what he needed. And he knows your name, and he knows what you need. What is it that takes us up in a tree just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, just close enough to see, but just far enough away to not be committed, just close enough to look like you might be living a life sold out for Christ, but just far enough away that your heart couldn't be any colder. That's no way to live. Jesus has so much for us, guys. This world is getting darker and darker, and Jesus has asked us to be the light. It's time to let our light shine. But that brightness only comes from relationship with Jesus. It's time to share the love and hope that is found in only in him. And that comes from knowing him. Verse 7, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you here today because you just want to catch a glimpse? Or are you here today and ready to let Jesus have your whole heart? Are you ready to give him it all? Are you ready to come out of the tree? Are you ready to come and jump in to the life that Christ has for you? To leave behind your tax collecting life to leave behind your pride, to leave behind your bitterness, to leave behind your addiction, to leave behind your worldliness, to leave behind your apathy and say, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you because you will never regret it. First, he has something for you and then he's gonna do something through you. He's calling today, knocking on our hearts and I hope we'll all let him in. So we did this first service, and I would like to do it this service as well. These are very public moments that Jesus did. But I'd like for this to be a personal moment for anybody here that might be in the tree. We're all sitting next to somebody. We all have somebody close to us. I would like for us to pray together. Please do not let anybody stay alone. If there's three of you, send somebody over. And if it's you that is Zacchaeus today, would you share with the person that's praying with you, I've been in the tree. Just share with them, I've been in the tree, that they can pray for you personally today, tonight, tomorrow. Zach's gonna bring some pastors up in a little bit too. And if you need prayer, you're gonna come up and pray with them and say, I'm in the tree, that was me. And hurry, don't delay. Don't say, you know, that seems a little awkward. I don't know if I can do that. Guys, there is no pride at the foot of the cross. Only humility. Only a place where you can start to grow in Christ. So let's pray with one another. Worship team, if you'll come on up. I'd like to pray for us now. And then we're gonna pray with one another. And don't let it go. Don't let this moment pass if it's you. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. If the two of you that are praying, you are doing well. Pray for those around you. But let's pray. Father, we pray, Lord, now that you would move in our hearts and we just know that we know there's one here that you've come to seek and to save. 
And perhaps that one is two, that two is five, that five is 10. Lord, we know that you've come to personally enter into each heart. Lord, may the enemy have no foothold here during this time as we seek you. And for that heart that has been prompted by your word today, may it not shrink back in this moment, but may it come all the way out of that tree, all the way out of that hiding, all the way out of that place of just catching a glimpse to be standing fully in front of you. And just like Zacchaeus, Lord, everything I have, I'm done with it. I'm gonna give to those I've cheated, those I've defrauded. I'm just following after you and whatever you have planned for me. Give us that faith to follow you and the strength to say no to the world. And Lord, may today be the beginning that so many hearts have been looking for, freedom in you. So we commit this time to you. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus, amen. Let's pray with one another and let's let the Lord move in our heart. Let's do that now, guys.